And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. My point is this, heirs, as long as they are minors, are no better than slaves, though they are the owners of all the property. But they remain under guardians and trustees until the date set by the father. So with us, while we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here. If you haven't met me, I'm Rod Morris. Um, Karen and I have been part of St Tom's since the start of last year, uh, but often uh, I'm elsewhere. Uh, last weekend I was with a, a Christian and Missionary Alliance church in Brisbane. Uh, next weekend I'll be up at Cootamundra with the Anglican Church there. Uh, I work for City to City Australia and um, it's one of St Tom's mission partners. So today you may not have registered, it's a Mission Sunday, and so I've been asked to come and talk about city to city. The reason we do that is for a number of years, um, St Tom's has supported Julianne Laird. Uh, Julianne is part of our team. Uh, she's a specialist in missional engagement, and so both in terms of church planting and church revitalization, Lots of churches need to do work on how they connect with their community, how people share their faith. And so Julianne has been supported by St Tom's uh, for quite a long time. So I've been given the, the task of talking about City to City because I also work for City to City uh, in their church revitalisation. On the website, um, it says, City to City Australia exists to help leaders build gospel movements in Australian cities. Now, next weekend, Cootamundra is not quite a city, but there is a passion, a desire to see faithful, fruitful churches all around our country. Um, so, you know, CMS exists to uh, see a world that knows Jesus, BCA, to reach Australia for Christ. City to City, we want to build healthy, fruitful churches and so the vision of city to city is to join with god it's actually what he's doing to see major city centers in australia worshiping jesus christ as lord so that i always love the purpose clauses so that god will renew them spiritually socially and culturally to the glory of god the father city to city is a resource for church planting and renewal in the cities of australia we seek to catalyse new church plants and strengthen existing churches through our programs and resources. So that's the big picture of what we do. And um, I'll ask uh, Catherine to show a video, which sort of gives you a snapshot, particularly of the church revitalisation work. Australia has a rich heritage and a population that Christianity has left a definite stamp upon. But as the population continues to grow, 
It is becoming increasingly secular, multicultural, and post-Christian. Hi, this is Tim Keller. With the rise of religious nuns, those who claim no religious affiliation, and with accelerating cultural and religious diversity, Australian churches are finding it difficult to connect and win a hearing for the gospel at all, let alone to grow and multiply. Uh, we think that there are probably around three to 4,000 churches in Australia that are what you might call stuck. Uh, they've been in plateau or decline for some time and just not quite sure uh, how to get out of that. And sometimes having a, an input from externally can really make the difference for a church in being able to uh, gain momentum uh, once again. So Revitalize Australia is a program of consultation with churches to really uh, help them get unstuck. It takes place in three phases. Uh, phase one is research. We, we're not a cookie cutter organization. We don't just bring along a model and say, here's what you've got to do. There's research uh, into the, the detail and specifics and history and context and situation of the church as it is currently. Phase two is analysis. And that leads to a report that's given uh, to the church that includes specific recommendations. And then if the church wants to move ahead and if City City thinks that it's good to move ahead as well, then we move into phase three, which is a year long program of implementing uh, those recommendations. Uh, we've been working with a whole bunch of churches over the last uh, 18 months or so, and we've seen some really great outcomes. Sometimes it's been a conflict that's been embedded in the life of the church has gotten fixed. We've actually been able to come in and help people move past that conflict. Sometimes it's new congregations that have been started. Uh, other times it's fresh vision that has been articulated and enacted. Um, at other times, there's been ministry systems that have been developed and deployed in a way that brings all sorts of fresh life uh, to the church. And so um, we're just really encouraged by the way that the program has been received and by the impact that it's having. There are lots of different strategies that can be used uh, to see churches revitalized and new light be brought into their mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. At City to City, we've assembled a team of really fantastic seasoned lead consultants to get alongside churches, to identify the opportunities and to walk with them over that year in seeing their life revitalized in the service of the Lord Jesus. Our vision is simple. To reach more Australians with the gospel, we need a movement of men and women committed to planting new churches and revitalizing existing churches. Join City to City as we revitalize Australia. So um, Tim at the end of that video says, join city to city as we revitalize Australia. Uh, what that looks like is, I'd love you to be praying for us, to continue to support Julianne, continue to pray for the work of the gospel. Um, I could go into details about what we do, could spend some time talking about the distinctives of City to City. There are four distinctives that shape how we go about our ministry. Gospel renewal, grace renewal as the pumping heart, uh, the integration of faith in the whole of life, uh, the contextualisation of ministry, and St Tom's is a very different church to the church I was with yesterday, which is this morning meeting in the footy club uh, pavilion at Werribee. Very different from the church in Kudamundra I'll be with next weekend. So contextualisation of ministry. St Tom's is opposite 
Deakin Uni was surrounded by lots of people of Chinese heritage and international students. That's got to shape how we do ministry compared to even other Anglican churches in this area. Um, Catholicity of spirit is one of the other big things about us that, you know, it takes more than just the Anglicans to see Australia converted, to see the world that knows Jesus. Um, But what I want to do is actually talk about what drives that, the motivation, and particularly the idea of us being adopted by God, because that is a doctrine that actually shapes a lot of our work. So let me pray, and then we'll think about that and the Bible reading. Our Father, we do thank you for the fact that you've made us your children. You've adopted us. Our Father, we pray that you might actually help us appreciate that, And so we pray that you might use my words as your words, that you might speak to us so that we might know you and love you and live as your people. Amen. So adopted by God, if there's one verse that really screams out about our status as children of God, then I'd go for 1 John 3, 1, where it says, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, I actually failed English at high school, uh, primarily because I didn't read the books and the examiners knew about crib notes, but also I couldn't give a rat's about the place of silence in Picnic at Hanging Rock. It just didn't interest me. Um, But I do know enough English to actually recognise past, present, future, to tell the difference between a command and a question. And so I look at 1 John 3, 1... And it says, see what love the Father has given us. That's actually an imperative. It's a command. It's look at this. Pay attention. Take note. The King James says, behold. Allow this reality to grab your attention. It's not, oh, isn't that an interesting thing that we notice as we go past? Focus on it. The Father has given us. That's past tense. Done deal. Signed, sealed, delivered. Right? And it's a perfect past tense. It's totally done deal. Right? The Father has given us his love that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. And that's present. That's now. We are. It's not that we live in hope that one day we'll be children of God, that we'll get our act together and he accepts us. We are children of God. So, how do we become children of God? Well, you can be born into a family, become a child. So here's a photo of Karen, our daughter Annika, when she was young. Karen's mum behind her and Karen's gran beside her. Four generations, all born into one family. In Malachi, it says that we're created by God and God wants godly offspring. But there's almost nothing in Scripture that uses the fact that we're created by God to established that we are children of God and in fact when it talks about us we're actually delinquent children going in the wrong direction you can marry into the family and so here's my extended tribe there's myself my sister my mum uh, my kids and my sister's kids Uh, but there's more than that there's the in-laws there's Karen and uh, my stepfather Karen's parents my in-laws my brother-in-law sister-in-law They've married into the family and scripture does use that image 
in terms of our relationship with Christ in Ephesians, in Revelation. And so in Revelation 21, we read this description, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the church, the wife of the Lamb, the church, the Christian people, are in a relationship with God because of our relationship with Jesus. But the big image is the idea of adoption, that we become children of God through adoption. And so there's a a picture of Carolyn uh, with Karen and the kids. We moved to uh, Melbourne 20 years ago. Annika was six weeks old. She didn't sleep through until she was three years old. And she had really severe reflux and colic. And so Carolyn took us under her wing and became like an adopted mum, adopted grandma. She came along to school concerts. She's been on holidays. We had her 80th birthday party at our place. Karen and I went there for dinner last week. Nothing legally has happened, but there's a relationship. And it's that idea that Scripture uses to talk about God making us his children. And so in our Bible reading from Galatians 3, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Our relationship with God is based on our faith. As many of you as were baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So there's no longer Greek, Jew or Greek, there's no longer slave or free, there's no longer male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Right? We're all one family. And so the start of chapter 4 then talks about how that happens in verses 4 and five, sorry, 5 and 7. It says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem, in order to rescue those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, So you're no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. That's the wonderful message of the gospel, that God has given us his grace, he's given us his love, he's made us his children. And in making us children, that makes us brothers and sisters. So that idea, adoption, I think there's a couple of things that flow from it that are really significant. And the first one is appreciating the fatherly heart of God. Now, this picture is me as a toddler, 18 months old, my father, Bill, and his father, Jim. Now, if I turn on the side, you could probably pick the profile. Uh, It's a reasonably deep gene pool. Well, Jim, I was the youngest of four. Sorry, Bill get my names right. Bill had an affair when I was about 18 months old, so I've got a a half-brother who's my age and actually looks pretty similar. So if you bumped into him, you'd actually pick that we're part of the same family. 1963, divorce law in Australia is pretty messy. And so the lawyers said to Jim, look, the simplest thing is just abandonment, just disappear. So he went to New Zealand for seven years until the clock ran out and then it was just all over. And my grandfather, Jim, 
couldn't believe that Bill would just disappear on a family of four. I was the youngest, I was two, my sister was, I was two, Kerry was four, Phil was six, and Gary was eight. And so every weekend, Jim would get on a train and go to different suburbs of Sydney, then to different towns in New South Wales and eventually even interstate to other cities. And he'd go to the pub and say, do you know this guy? Have you seen this guy? Kept looking. Now, at the same time, my auntie, who was 17 at the time, Auntie Karen, she came down to look after particularly me and my sister, who were still toddlers, and she was like a second mum to me. So I have a very special relationship with Karen. In fact, after she got married, her husband said, should we go and pick up Rodney? <laughs> and she said, why? Well, he's your Rodney. <laughs> no, uh, he's my nephew. Um, that says all sorts of other things about their relationship. But anyway, um, Karen had a major stroke, incapacitating. She's been in high care for the last couple of years. And she contacted me and said, Rod, I need to talk to you about God. So I got on a plane, flew up, went and spoke to her. Now, Karen was a publican, ran pubs. She's the sort of people who... Other sort of person others look down their nose at. She's not an upright, middle-class, nice, respectable person. She doesn't even meet her own standards, and so she knew that when it came to God, it's going to be difficult. And she said, I don't think I'm good enough. And so I reminded her of the story of Jim and Bill and what Grandpa had done and said, what would have happened if Grandpa had actually tracked down Bill? How would he have reacted? And Karen could easily say, oh, he'd be so delighted that they'd actually got back together. Yes, what he'd done was so heartbreaking and disappointing, but to be reunited. And so I said to Karen, you know, there's a story in the Bible about that. Right? And often we focus on the, the, the two sons but notice the father and this is Luke 15 verses 20 and 22 24 so the son got up and went to his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him he ran to his son threw his arm around him and kissed him the father said to his servants quick bring the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a, a party. Let's have a feast, celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was found and is lost. And they began to celebrate. Like that fatherly heart, that love of God. We dropped out a Bible reading from Hosea 11 which talks about when Israel was a child, I loved him. And then, but they kept wandering and going astray. And the more I called, the more they did their own thing. And then at the end of that chapter, God says, but how can I, how can I give them up? How can I reject them? That's the fatherly heart of God. And because of the fatherly heart of God, we can also put great confidence. We can rest in the assurance that our relationship with God is based on his grace rather than our own behaviour. 
Behold what manner of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Or have a look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to his good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he's freely bestowed on us. So our relationship with God, it's not about us and getting our act together and getting over some past mark, but actually God's grace towards us. And so our Christian life, our ministry for city to city, grace renewal, help people register and grab hold of that wonderful truth. Now, because of that, because God welcomes us into his family as children, then we need to accept each other as brothers and sisters. Growing up in the 60s, we used to cross the road rather than walk across in front of the Catholic Church. Right? That was the, oh, we can't, can't deal with Len. But how outrageous is that? If God makes us his children, then we can't look around the room and think, oh, well, I don't like those ones over there. Because they're brothers and sisters. And so one of the big values for City City is Catholicity, that we're all in this together. That's not a superannuation ad. It's a <laughs> theological truth, right? Brothers and sisters. And so this lovely reading in Hebrews 2, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he's suffered. That's talking about Jesus. Both the one who made people holy, that's Jesus, and those who are made holy, that's us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And so if Jesus embraces someone and says, this is my brother, this is my sister, then how dare I or anyone else say, but they're not good enough for me. Right? So the church, God's church, has to work together as brothers and sisters. And so at the moment I'm working with a uniting church out near Bendigo. I'm working with Footscray Church of Christ and Ashburton Presbyterian and 316 Wesleyan Methodist Church in Brisbane and M1 International Alliance Church on the Gold Coast and Christchurch Anglican Cathedral in Darwin. And we're all in this together brothers and sisters, and so that Catholicity of spirit is important. And then the whole of life is impacted by this. We are children. So it's not just Sunday, but the whole of life. Our relationship with God shapes everything. We develop the family likeness. So Mary Donaldson, I don't know if you remember Mary Donaldson. She's now Princess Mary of Denmark. I was in Tassie the weekend her engagement was announced 
And there's great excitement. Girl from Hobart, travel agent, engaged to the prince. They'd met each other in the Sydney Olympics. He was on the sailing team. She was up there for the Olympics. I don't know whether she knew he was a prince at the time, but they met, they fell in love, they got married. And the moment she walked down the aisle and said, I do, every part of her life changed. She became a princess. Same thing happened to Kate when she walked down the aisle and said, I do, to, what's his name? William. <laughs> okay? Um, and that is true of us. That when we said, I do, to Jesus, it changes everything. It's not just Sunday morning, but all of life. So Pete, I know, is a music teacher. So the fact that he's a child of God, a son of God, affects what he does when he's teaching delinquent kids how to play music. <laughs> right? Now, Michael, I know, is a lawyer. And so that shapes not just him here on Sunday, but actually what he does the rest of the time. I know Lindley was a counsellor. And so is she engaged with people. It's not just Sunday, but whole of life, because we are God's sons and daughters. And so we see that picked up in Scripture. 1 John 3, chapters, verses, 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he's revealed, we'll be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Right? It's bringing life into line with our status. Or Paul, he says in Ephesians 5, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, because you're part of the family, and live in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, see what love the Father has given us. Pay attention to this. We are children of God. That is what we are. Therefore, that shapes the ministry of city to city. And I hope it shapes each one of us as we live as God's sons and daughters. Well, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your amazing love. That even though we were delinquent children, you didn't abandon us, leave us as orphans, but you actually searched for us brought us home, made us your own. And that's because of who you are, not who we are. So we rest in that assurance, delighting in your fatherly heart for us. We pray that might shape how we deal with each other as brothers and sisters, and also that might shape every part of our life as we live as your children and reflect your character so that people might look at us and see you and praise you for your glory. Amen.